our students are transitioning, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bible, turn to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus. We've been in our study for a few weeks now. This week, we're actually going to cover chapters 11 through 13. This morning, I would ask that you would turn to chapter number 12. Exodus, chapter number 12. We will read verses 1 through 28, and then chapters number 33 through 40, I mean verses number 33 through 42. Exodus chapter number 12, beginning with verse number 1 through 28, and then 33 through 42. As is our custom here at the Bridge Church, we stand in honor and reverence to God's holy word. So if you are willing and able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter number 12, verse number 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood, and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it. Its head with its legs and its inner parts. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, <laughs> I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations is a statute forever, and you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, 
And on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. Let's go ahead and move to verse number 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. And the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. They baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. And the time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord, to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching, kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. God's people have been in Egypt. Slaves, oppressed by the king of Egypt. And they've cried out for deliverance. And God hears the cries of his people. And we're told that Mo God tells Moses, his chosen man, to let his people know that God sees, God knows, God hears, God cares. And so now God tells Moses, the Lord tells Moses, I want you and your brother Aaron to go down to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Thus is the word of the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. And when Moses and Aaron go to this Pharaoh and tell him the word of the Lord, his response is, who is the Lord that I should obey and listen to his voice? And friends, that question sets up the rest of the book of Exodus because God's plan and purpose throughout the book of Exodus is to reveal that he indeed is 
the Lord. And so now God has spoken to Pharaoh and told him to let his people go. And Pharaoh says, not only, not only do I not recognize the Lord, do I not know the Lord, but I do not submit to his authority. And so I will not obey him and let the people go. And so God says, you asked the question. I can hear God saying, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Who is the Lord? And so now God said, let me show you. And so now God brings plagues. And last week, we preached through the first nine plagues. And now God has one last plague that he's going to bring up on Pharaoh and Egypt. Last week we said that the word plague, it means a blow or a strike. Up to now, God has delivered nine blows against Pharaoh and Egypt. But then in chapter 11, God says yet one more plague and Pharaoh will let my people go. And so this morning, I've titled our sermon, The Final Blow. First thing that I want us to see together, in chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, we see God's punishment revealed. God's punishment revealed. The Lord says to Moses that he's bringing one more plague against Pharaoh. One last blow against Pharaoh, and this blow is to be the death blow. Moses announces that at midnight, the Lord will go in the midst of Egypt and kill the firstborn in all the land of Egypt. Friends, who God plans to kill is significant. It's the firstborn of Egypt that God plans to kill. Why is that significant? We've got to go back to the very beginning of Exodus chapter 1. The Pharaoh, the king of Egypt at that time, he called the Hebrew midwife and he told them, I want you to kill all of the newborn sons of Egypt. What Pharaoh didn't know was that he was not just killing the Hebrew children, but he was killing God's children. So this 10th plague, this final blow, it's clearly divine retribution. What God planned to do to Pharaoh was to what Pharaoh had done to him. So God is clearly just in dispensing his judgment against Pharaoh in Egypt. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord. But not only is it significant because it's the firstborn, but then in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, the Lord says to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son. So let my son go that they might serve me. By the way, if you refuse to let them go, God says, I will kill your firstborn son. God told Pharaoh what would happen if he refused to let his people go. What's interesting 
is now also in chapter 11 when God says that, that, that he's going to kill all the firstborn in Egypt. He says there will be a great cry in all of Egypt like has never been heard before. Why is that interesting? Because remember, at the beginning of Exodus, it says that the people of Israel cried out. And Pharaoh didn't listen. And now Egypt and Pharaoh are going to cry out. And now God is not going to listen to their cries. So God told them, he said, Israel's my firstborn. Let them go. And Pharaoh ignored and rejected the word of the Lord. Friends, what this teaches us is that those who will not bow to God's word must bend to his judgment. That's good, sir. That's good. Those who will not bow to his word must bend to his judgment. Friends, like Pharaoh, every person stands condemned before a holy God. God's word declares that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God's word to guilty sinners facing divine judgment is to repent of your sins and find safety in the mercy of God. And this morning, everyone faces the same choice of Pharaoh. You can bow to his word, or you can bend to his judgment. The question that we all have to face is, can guilty sinners be saved from God's righteous judgment? I'm glad you asked. We move from God's punishment revealed in chapter 11 to God's Passover remembered in chapter 12. Look with me at chapter 12 and God's Passover remembered. At the beginning of chapter 12, the Lord says to Moses and Aaron that when he brings the children of Israel out of Egypt, he says that month will be the beginning of months. In other words, they are now going to have a new calendar year based on the exodus. In other words, the exodus is a new beginning. I don't have time to work it like I want to. But then God tells them, the Lord tells them, that on the 10th day of the first month of the new year, he wants them to take a lamb without blemish and keep it until the 14th day. Then at midnight, they are to kill the lamb. They are to take the blood of the lamb and put it on both sides of the doorpost and above the doorpost. And they are to eat the flesh of the lamb. This meal is called, according to verse 11 of chapter 12, the Lord's Passover. Why the Passover? Verse 12, the Lord says, for I'm, I will pass through the land of Egypt. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blind shall be, a, the blood shall be a sign for you. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Here's what you have to understand, friends. 
is what's happening is death is coming to every house in Egypt. Listen to what I just said. God has declared that death is coming to every house in Egypt, including Israel. The difference is that for Israel, their firstborn will not be killed. And the reason the firstborn will not be killed in Israel because there will be a substitute. The lamb is the substitute for the firstborn of Israel. The lamb takes the place of the firstborn of Israel. Death still comes to the house of Israel, but not to the people of Israel because there is a lamb who is the substitute. Because the lamb died, the firstborn gets to live. Blood had to be shed for the firstborn to be saved. In order for life to be preserved, the house had to be covered by the blood. Okay, let me cross, go on ahead and cross over. Friends, the lamb is a type of Jesus Christ. The apostle John said Jesus Christ is the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Friend, the only reason we are saved is because of the blood of the lamb. Woo, that, that, I, I thought I'd have more help right there because if I was the firstborn, every time we had this meal, I would remember that the only reason I'm still here is because of the lamb. And baby, you wouldn't be able to beat me to the table. I'd be the first one at the table because I know that it could have been me. It should have been me, but I'm alive because of the lamb. Okay, okay. I heard somebody, somebody's asking right now. You asking, you, you're asking right now, is there anything? That can wash away my sins. Somebody else comes say, I know, I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. Somebody is saying, is there anything that can make me whole again? Somebody else is declaring nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you, somebody is wondering, saying right now, that was in, in Exodus. Does the blood still work today? That's mine right there. I'll take that one. And I will tell you that the blood still works. You know how I know it works? Because it saved me. How do I know the blood works? Because it raised me. How do I know the blood works? Because it healed me from my sin sickness. Oh, yes, the blood still works. And so what we see here in Exodus is, friends, that there is power in the blood. <laughs> and not only was there power then, but there's still power in the blood of the Lamb. What kind of power? Saving power, redeeming power, forgiving power, cleansing power, wonder-working power in the blood. So they had to be covered by the blood. So this Passover meal was not to be a one-time meal. It was to be a lasting meal, observed annually, perpetually. Look at verse 14 of chapter 12. This day shall be for you a memorial day. 
and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Notice the purpose of the meal. He says, this day shall be for you a memorial day. He gives them a meal, a sign, to, so that they remember what the Lord did for them when he brought them out of Egypt. Why does he need a memorial? Because God knows his people are prone to forget. He needs us to, he wants them to remember the next time the enemy comes against them what he did for them before. So God gives them a ritual to help them remember his goodness toward them. This meal was to be the remedy for their forgetfulness. Jesus Christ himself observed this feast. Jesus, being a faithful Jew, took this meal with his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. As they were eating, Scripture says, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus transformed the Passover meal. The Passover was the old covenant meal. And Jesus gave the people of the new covenant a meal known as the Lord's Supper. And like the Passover... The Lord's Supper, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is remembrance. Like Israel, we too are prone to forget. We forget the depths of God's love for us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. We are forgetful people. How do I know that? Because many Christians walk around in guilt, we forget the gospel. How do I know we forget? Because we, we, we act and think that we have to earn God's love. We're forgetful people. Trials and tribulations come, and we have crises of faith. We forget. And so God gives us signs to help us remember his gospel. The Lord's Supper is the cure for gospel amnesia. You can tweet that. You can tweet it. <laughs> but there was another meal. There was another meal that God gave them, the Lord gave them. Not only was there the Passover, but there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. What's the difference between the two meals? The Passover remembers that they were saved from death because of the blood of the Lamb. 
The Feast of Unleavened Bread was for them to celebrate and remember the Lord bringing them out. One, saved from death. The other, deliverance. One remembers their salvation. The other remembers their liberation. Why was it to be unleavened? Because they didn't have time to wait for the leaven to rise. When God came through and started killing the firstborn, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, and all of you just said, get out now. Or we'll all be dead. And so they had to leave in haste. And God wants them to remember this. However, this meal, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is not just about remembering. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is about holiness. Okay, okay. First Corinthians chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says to them, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Is you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The Passover feast was a reminder of their salvation. The feast of unleavened bread was to be a reminder of their sanctification. Friends, here's what we learn about the feast. Well, here's what the Feast of Unleavened Bread teaches us. It teaches us that God not only wanted to get his people out of Egypt, but he also wanted to get Egypt out of his people. God expects his people to be holy just as he is holy. Our lives ought to be distinctly different from the world. Our lives should reflect Christ. And God says, I don't want you to have any leaven. That's God's Passover remembered. Finally, we see God's people released. Verse 33. God comes through and starts striking the firstborn of all of Egypt. And the text says, verse 33, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. God's people are finally free. They are free at last. No longer slaves. No longer bound. No longer under the hand of Pharaoh, no longer in Egypt, God has brought his people out. Dare I say, they were free worshipers. They were now free to dance and sing. Free to worship God as God desired and demanded. But God didn't want his people just to be free, to be free. They were free to serve him. 
in like manner. God has set us free. And whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. We've been set free from Satan, sin, and death. So then we ought to live in that freedom. Live by grace. But God's purpose in setting us free is so that he might be worshipped. We've been set free to become servants to him. What is the response then? Of Exodus chapter 11, verse number 13. I think chapter 11 reminds us that God is just in his judgment. And that all people are under God's judgment because all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And friends, it is God's judgment that we need saved from. That's chapter 12. How can we be saved from God's righteous judgment? From death. The blood of the Lamb. I'm thankful for the blood. God wants us to remember the extreme lengths that he's gone to to save his people. And so I think we need to partake in our new covenant meal at this time. We need to remember what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. We need to remember that Jesus took our place. We need to remember that Jesus died our death. Because we all at some point struggle with gospel amnesia. And so God has given us the cure. It is the table. Now, we didn't read this in the beginning, I mean, in our text, but chapter 13, God gives some more instructions for the Passover meal. There is a fencing of the table. God says, only my people can partake of this meal. If they had, if anyone, a, a foreigner, wanted to come to the table, they were not to. Unless they had been circumcised. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant. Now think about this, friends. Circumcision, this circumcision here is different from what we think of today. This didn't happen for these grown, these were grown men, these foreigners. There you go. 
This was not just a baby. They put that little device on and get the skin off. No, no, no. These are grown men who are having flesh cut off their private parts. Why would one do that unless they were totally committed? So the fact that they were willing to undergo circumcision means that they were sold out for God. The only people that can come to the table are those who are God's people. God makes a distinction between his people and those who are not his people. And so this meal is only for God's people. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved from God's wrath. It is an exclusive meal and that it's only for God's people, those who have exercised faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Then you have one of two responses. You can be offended that you're being excluded from the table, which reveals the hardness of your heart, or in humility, you can acknowledge your sinfulness and come asking, what must I do to be saved? How can I get in on this meal? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You must believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died your death, took your place on the cross at Calvary, died for your sin, was buried but rose victoriously from the grave Sunday morning showing that God indeed accepts the sacrifice of Christ on the cross so that now you can be saved and be free. Our service are going to come forward now.